Well, our text today is a little story in the life of Jesus in which we encounter uh, Mary and Joseph taking care of their duties as parents. We meet a man and a woman that they meet at the temple, and today we see just a, uh, just a small glimpse into the early days of Jesus. We're going to learn a little of Joseph and Mary. We'll learn a little bit about waiting, a little bit about receiving, a little about permanence, and I hope that you see through your time today in worship, through the time in the text and part of this church community here at St. John's and part of being a family, that the truths that we have sung about, the truths that we're going to read about, the truths that we confess and the sharing of our hearts and prayer and spirit is essential. Whether we're closing out the year, starting a new one, or just in that day-to-day -day grind. For in the center, center of our lives, just like in our text today, is Jesus. Jesus is not a part of our lives but from him and the faith and love of Jesus, our life is in him, and our lives and our days flow. And that's not just a, like a subtle word difference, that's the difference. Each one of us has not been called to have Jesus just be a part of our lives that we work in a little each day or that we put on a list. Our lives change when we place Jesus in the center of our lives for the who we are, the, the very first thing we think about and the last thing that we think about at nighttime when we close our eyes and we finish our prayers. So the one we give thanks to, that every fiber of our being, words, thoughts, and actions, it's about Jesus and his faith and the love that we have in him. And when we do that, we move from having a goal with the outcome of following Jesus to being a person who follow Jesus. We move from a mindset of thinking, I want to be slightly better, I want to pray more, I want to run more, be in better health, I want to learn a new habit, to this completely new way of being that Scripture calls us to, where the goal is not an outcome, but your identity. And that changes when you see yourself and what you believe of yourself is rooted and connected to Jesus, where that goal is connected to Him, the person. Like we say, the branch can do nothing apart from the vine. And you'll say that I'm not just reading the Bible, I'm a person who reads the Bible. I don't just pray, I'm a person who prays. I don't just love others, I am a person who is loved and now loves others. And it's the small ways, the little things of being and doing over time and not giving up that we're going to see as key in our text today. When we look at our text, we're going to see a, a young couple who does the small things that are required and does them faithfully. We're going to see a man who for years and years was promised something and never gave up. And we're going to see a woman who is described as very old, had been widowed for a long time, but didn't let what had happened define her, but rather all of these people follow the Lord. So let's dive in, take a look. Again, we're going to get two stories. We only get two stories of Jesus before his ministry begins. It's this one and then him when he's a younger boy at the temple again. But there's a lot to see here and a lot to treasure and ponder in our hearts. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to go uh, Luke starting uh, chapter 2, verse 21. It'll be on the screens. You can follow along me. It's also in your bulletin. And I'm going to start at verse 21, just one more verse. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, 
a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. Mary and Joseph are faithful observers of the law, and therefore Jesus is circumcised eight days after birth and given the name that the angel told him and, or Joseph and Mary to give him. And then we see them go to the temple for this twofold purpose that Luke lays out. The first is so that the mother Mary would no longer be ceremonially unclean. In Leviticus, the passages regarding circumcision continue by saying that 33 days more the mother must wait till her days of purification are fulfilled. During this time, these 40 days, she is, ritually, she is considered ritually unclean and can't enter the temple. But when the 40 days is completed, she goes up to fulfill the purification rites, which you find in Leviticus 12, and you'll see that the mother is to offer a lamb. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then the pair of doves or pigeons are offered, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. The second purpose of the presentation that we see was the consecration or the redemption of the firstborn male to the Lord that is spoken of in Exodus 13. Any male animal or human being that opened the womb of the mother was to be set apart to God. Now, the scriptures related this commandment to that tenth plague during which God spared the life of the Jewish firstborns. But the tradition then became that the firstborn male should spend his life serving the Lord in a special way. Eventually, this special duty of the firstborn male was handed over to the tribe of Levi, which meant now that the parents redeemed their son for five shekels. And we see that starting in Numbers 18. Finally, we get that little detail that Luke includes right there on the last line, a pair of doves. A pair of doves instead of the lamb that Mary and Joseph offer reveals their poverty. And it also reveals to us that God does not require wealth or being well off to be a part of his family. And it is the little things here that I want to draw out, the keeping of the law, the, the doing the right things. Now, I wouldn't know I wasn't there, but I doubt that it was easy to get to the temple 40 days after the child was born. I doubt that it was easy dealing with all the people that you would see or dealing with the stress of having to do these things or the stress of having to travel to the temple. It's easy to complain, to say, forget it, to say, this is outdated. It doesn't have any meaning. That was the way of my parents or that was the way it used to be. But now, come on, who has time for that? But the young couple... 40 days after giving birth, does what God invites them to do. And it's when they do the little things, we remind ourselves of who we are and who we belong to. The text continues where we're introduced to a man. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Again, Simeon here is called righteous, similar to the same way that Elizabeth and Zechariah were called when we looked at that in Luke chapter 1, which doesn't mean that they were without sin. It means that when they did sin, they followed the law, they made the right sacrifices, they did their best to live by the law, trusting in God and his promises. Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel, that's what Isaiah prophesied about, the, the key element referring to the hope of the deliverance for the nation, specifically through the Messiah. See, Simeon belonged to that small group, that remnant that believed that God would keep his promise and would send the Messiah. 
Not only do we see that the Spirit reveals to him that he would not die before he would see the Lord's Messiah, but it also states that he was moved by the Spirit, or in other words, the Spirit led him into the temple at this very point of time. What we see here is that Simeon was the type of person who waited for the Lord. Simeon was the type of person who trusted that what the Lord said would happen would. And it writes easy and it, and it reads easy. But again, this also isn't easy. We don't know how long he waited. How long? How long what's, the, what's the longest you've ever had to wait for something? I wrote, I'll wait, but that's not a funny joke. See, only six of you laughed, so I was right. I knew not to say it, but then I can't help myself sometimes. But it's hard not to wait. Not because it's difficult to be patient, which it is, but it's hard because of the forces that battle against the waiting. Forces like seeing other people get something faster, and you're still having to wait. Forces that come from the outside offering different opinions or different options that are easier. And instead of waiting, just do this. Or when you get so close to getting what you want, but then it all just kind of falls apart. It could go on and on. But you see here that there is something stronger. There is something stronger than the forces battling against the waiting. And that it's the promise that has been made to you. Really, it's who the promise was made by. For the Lord's promise to you sustains you and gives you hope in the waiting. Getting so overwhelmed by forces and waiting, it's sometimes hard to remember what sustains us, what gives us hope. And those are the promises that we have to cling to, the promises that God has made to you. And if you ask yourself, well, what are those promises? I'm telling you, just rest your heart and search. And remember what he has said. Maybe you don't hear a voice, but you know those promises. You've read them in your Bible. You've heard them when you come to worship. You've sung them. There was promises spoken over you when water was splashed on your head. There's a promise said to you each time you come forward and wait in that line with your hands outstretched, ready to receive. You've felt those promises through the difficult moments of suffering when it is very angels himself surround and comfort you. When a friend reaches out, sends you a text, or a, gives you a call. You felt it when you walk in and someone smiles at you and hands you a bulletin or says, peace be with you. The promises of God are everywhere in your waiting. Just don't forget to look. Text keeps going and Simeon takes Jesus in his arm and praises God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon shows us the universal scope of God's salvation, how it's personal, one man holding a baby in his arms. We see the fulfillment of God's promises all the way back that he made to Abraham and his descendants and the people of Israel and the glory that they now have that Jesus has come. 
We see to the Gentiles, and really all people, right, are included, because we all now have this light that is Jesus Christ. And if you look really closely, what you point out, what you can see, is that it has been, what, 40 days since angels were singing to shepherds about peace. And here, one man has it. And in a special way, we get to listen to his heart, where he says, my own eyes have seen what you have promised. I'm at peace now, and there is nothing more that I need. For what you said you would do, you have done. And not only that, but I got to see it, got to hold it, got to feel it close. He received what he had been waiting for, and the gratitude just flows out of him. And I bet if you, I bet if you look back on your past and your experiences this year, and sure, there's a lot of stuff that you may have to sift through, but there is gratitude for what God has given and done for each one of us. And as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we will always be living in this both and, the waiting and the receiving, the receiving and then the waiting again. But when we trust in him and his promises, that's what gives us hope and confidence for the future. That is what gives us peace. The text goes and it kind of like abruptly changes. The child's father and mother marveled as what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. We go from something so positive and beautiful to the other side of life, right? It's funny, Mary and Joseph just kind of want to stop and marvel and enjoy, but then Simeon speaks this truth that it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be good. He says this child, this coming of this child means division within the Jewish world, a division between the believers and the non-believers, a division that we still see today. Make no mistake, there is a division between those of us who believe in Jesus and live for Jesus and those who don't. Simeon says he would be an individual spoken against in his time, and we see it even today. Still, voices raised against who Jesus is and the ways of Jesus. But all of this agony is necessary. All of the suffering and all of the trials that we go through is necessary so that the thought of many hearts may be released. There will be division between believer and unbeliever. We are going into this year and make no mistake, it will not be easy. It will not be easy to be one who is marked by the Lord. It will not be easy to be with one who stands in the ways of the Lord. It will not be easy to speak in favor of the Lord and to live for Him when everything around us isn't. But Simeon shows just how personal it is by making it extremely personal by looking the mother of the child in the eyes and says the sword is going to pierce your soul as well. And it did. She was present when they mocked him. 
She was present when they chanted, crucify him. She was present when they nailed him to the cross. And you will see too that this following of Jesus, while rooted in promise and hope, will come with hard times as well. Then we get this one more encounter. There's a prophetess, Anna, right? The daughter of Penal of the tribe of Asher. She's very old. She had lived with her husband seven years. Then after her marriage was a widow for 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. She comes up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to toward the redemption of Jerusalem. And I love how Luke always pairs a male and then female stories twice together throughout his gospel. You see it all the time, right? It's a, it's a gospel for all people. But here we meet Anna, and again, the scholars tell us, just like this, that she is very old. Some say she's over 100. And her father's name is given here, and her tribe, which would lead us to maybe think that she is of, of some importance, or maybe her tribe was. But in reality, the tribe of Asher was not overly significant. They were the, they were the very last ones blessed by Moses. In fact, many call the tribe of Asher one of the last lost tribes of the north. But that's not true, right? Because there's no tribe really lost or forgotten. When the Jews came back from the Babylonian captivity, members of all the tribes, 12 tribes, came back, not just the tribes of Benjamin and Judah. So if you love numbers, people love to take 84. They love to take 12, 12 tribes. They love to multiply it by 7, completion, and show how here in this woman, all the tribes are coming up to give praise for what God has done. And this is also a special way of fulfilling Isaiah 54. If you make that note in your Bible and you look at it, you will find that Isaiah 54 talks about how God promises redemption and inclusion to widows in the Lord. No longer will there be shame. No longer will there be disgrace. No longer will they be alone. But the Lord himself has come for them and has come for you, giving you redemption, family, hope, joy, and fulfillment. And we don't get to see what she was saying, but we see the actions she models for us, praising God and telling others of Jesus. And then the text closes. Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law. They returned to Galilee, their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And I like this verse here. When I was in Africa, this is the verse that Grace Works, they, they base their ministry on, that last one, that verse 40. So when I got back, I, I looked it up, and I was surprised that some of the translations uh, include grew and became strong in spirit, based on how they read the Greek. Not know about you, but I like that better. Because when it's written that way, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a little thing, but it, it gives inspiration for believing parents today because it shows us what's most important. Yes, healthy, strong baby, of course. Genius baby, obviously. A baby full of grace in God. But to be strong and grow in the spirit. As a parent, this must be our first and foremost prayer, no matter how old your child is, that they go strong in the Lord, filled with his spirit. And then we ask for the grace to guide them in that path of being filled with the Spirit and to be wise in the way of faith and love of Jesus.
And so I'm going to close with this as the text kind of goes away. I was watching um, Star Wars the other day. You've seen this movie, episode four? Excellent. All right. So, so much happens in that first bit. If you remember Darth Vader, no, 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 absolutely not. Don't start the music yet. I've got a long ways to go. Now, Darth Vader has like come to the ship. He's kicking it down. R2-D2, he's like scuttling out of there. He gets in the escape pod with 3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-
so that you will know who he is, so that you will have the confidence and the joy and the hope each and every day of your life to say, I am his and he is mine. He is the defender of my heart. He is the savior born. He is the light of the world. He is my Jesus and I am his. Amen.